When it comes to buying presents, do you feel confident in your ability to land the gift? You know this item will elicit a squeal of delight and oohs and ahs. Or are you the type who stresses over whether the recipient will love it? Will they use it? Is it something they want? If it's the thought that counts, have I given it enough thought? Gift givers sometimes feel anxious about gift giving, right? Like we want to make sure we choose the right gift, that we don't offend the recipient, that if we're giving a gift in a group setting that people think is an acceptable gift to give. And one thing that people stress about is money. How much do we spend on a gift? So we as givers may think that more expensive gifts are better and that there's a strong correlation between how much you spend on a gift and how much the gift will be appreciated by the recipient. However, the research has shown that recipients are appreciative gifts, you know, irrespective of how much they cost. That's Cindy Chan, an assistant professor of marketing at the University of Toronto Scarborough with a cross appointment to the Rotman School of Management. She studies the role of experiences, emotions, and gifts in shaping our relationships with others. And she understands that gift giving is nuanced, complex, and sometimes fraught. There are different social norms that guide gift giving both across cultures and within cultures. So, for example, in Japan, there are very strong norms about what to give, to whom to give, how the gift itself should be given and wrapped. In some cultures and countries uh, such as China or Vietnam, the norm of giving money in the form of lucky money and red envelopes is much more socially acceptable than it might be in other cultures where it might be frowned upon or a little bit taboo to give money. And there are norms around different holidays. So you might give a certain type of gift for Valentine's Day that is appropriate that might feel inappropriate to give as a gift for a birthday, like a bouquet of roses. And it may be okay to give a bouquet of roses to a spouse or a loved one or a partner, um, but feel a little weird to give that to a client. So is there a way to make gift giving less stressful? What role do gifts play in our society and relationships? And how can we improve our gift giving game? Welcome to the Executive Summary. I'm Megan Haynes, editor of the Rotman Insights Hub. Holidays, birthdays, weddings, anniversaries, retirement parties, thank you gifts, I'm sorry gifts, thinking of you gifts. There are any number of reasons to give out a present to people in your life. But what role do gifts play in our relationships with others? Researchers have argued that gift giving contributes to a system of reciprocity uh, and exchange in our society. When I get a gift, I often find a reason to return the gift. Think mutual exchanges of presents over birthdays. And other people have talked about gift giving as a form of social communication. And that's because gifts have this symbolic or expressive value. They can convey to someone something about what we think, what we feel, and how we care about them. And in Cindy's view, a gift isn't just a symbolic or transactional process. A gift is something that we give someone to express that we care about that relationship. We give gifts to people who are important in our lives and with whom we have relationships that we want to foster and grow, whether that's a family member, a new friend, a new um, potential mate, a client. We give gifts to people who we care about is, is how I think about gift giving at its core. Ultimately, it's a way to build or strengthen a relationship. And if you think of most gift exchanges, they boil down to three steps. Step one, the giver thinks about what to get the recipient. Step two, the actual gift exchange. 
Step three, the receiver hopefully uses or consumes the gift. At each stage, the relationship has the potential to be altered and impacts the giver and receiver slightly differently. Take the first stage when the giver is thinking about what to get the recipient. In the part leading up to the gift, a lot of this is going to affect the gift giver. They're putting the effort into choosing a gift. They're reflecting on their relationship with them. In the second stage, the exchange, well, just think of how nice it is to get a present. And there are a lot of positive emotions that may arise at that point. So in some of my research, we found that emotions such as surprise, happiness, gratitude are you know, frequently mentioned at this point. Finally, on the last stage, when the recipient is using or consuming the gift, they now have an opportunity to reflect on their relationship with the gift giver. It could strengthen the relationship, ideally it would. Or in some cases, if it's poorly received, then it could damage the relationship. Now, for the most part, gift recipients are fairly appreciative. And so it's less common to see a gift cause the demise of a relationship. But of course, we've all heard these stories about, you know, gifts gone wrong and bad gifts. Um, And so that certainly happens from time to time. Three stages, and in each stage, our relationship with the other person has the potential to be altered. Sounds pretty straightforward, right? Well, Cindy's research shows that gift giving can be asymmetrical. How you see the relationship changing as a gift giver might be different from how the receiver perceives it. Take gifts given out of guilt. Cindy gives the example of a wife who brings home a present to her partner after they've taken on more than their fair share at home while she deals with a busy period at the office. Cindy's research shows that when the wife gives the present out of guilt, the wife feels she's repaired or strengthened the relationship. But that feeling isn't necessarily mutual. But reframe that same gift-giving opportunity to one of thanks rather than guilt, and the partner may have a different reaction. So in my research, I've shown that recipients often prefer a gift that expresses gratitude, acknowledging that they've gone above and beyond. And as a result, they would feel closer as a consequence of receiving that gratitude gift compared to a gift expressing guilt. Effectively, even though gift giving can change a relationship and be socially connecting, the gift giver and the receiver both think about the role of the present a little bit differently. And this is where a lot of our problems come in. It can absolutely suck when you hand over a gift expecting a massive smile or an expression of glee, only to get a polite thank you instead. We've all missed the mark when it comes to giving presents, and research has some suggestions on how to avoid those missteps in the future. Let's start with a simple one. Give them what they ask for. Researchers have shown that you are tempted to go off registry, particularly if you're close to the recipient, but that recipients actually would prefer to receive exactly what they ask for. So I would say that if someone is dropping hints or telling you exactly what they want as a gift, um, you should feel okay as a gift giver to give them that gift and not be so worried about it, not conveying that you're thoughtful. We tend to want to veer off registry or wish lists because we want to show the gift recipient that we know them, we understand them, we're being thoughtful but that can actually have the opposite effect on a relationship. They've told you what they want, you've ignored their request. And there's even that saying, you know, it's the thought that counts. It's like literally drives how we think about gift giving. That being said, this often comes at the expense of giving a gift that will be better liked by the recipient. Cindy also cautions that people need to think about the desirability versus feasibility of a present. 
Givers tend to prioritize how desirable a gift is. That Michelin-rated restaurant on the other side of town sounds fab. In comparison, the receiver tends to have different priorities. How easy is it for me to consume this gift? How well does this gift fit into my life? Is it something that I can use often or frequently? Is it something that's easy for me to redeem? So they might actually prefer a gift certificate to a really great restaurant that's in their neighborhood rather than one that requires them driving an hour and a half. All of this is to say, sometimes gift givers forget that the gift is about the receiver. There are many studies documenting this asymmetry between givers and recipients when it comes to gift giving. This often happens because we are poor at perspective taking sometimes, right? So it's hard for us to take the perspective of another person, think about exactly what they might like or what their feelings are in a moment. So how can we build better relationships through gifts? Cindy's research is pretty clear. Give experiences. So when it comes to gift giving, a lot of the types of gifts that first come to mind for people tend to be material things. They often are what fills suggested gift lists um, around the holidays. But in my research, I find that if you're looking to strengthen a relationship with your recipient, that experiential gifts are more effective at doing so. One of the underlying mechanisms that we've identified in this research is the emotions that one feels when you consume the gift. So when you consume an experiential gift, that experience tends to be more emotionally evocative, more emotionally intense than when you consume a material gift. So, for example, going to see a Broadway show may elicit a variety of emotions that are maybe stronger than when one wears or uses a piece of clothing or jewelry or uh, uses an electronic gadget that was received as a material gift. So this emotionality seems to be a key driver of the effect. And we know that strong relationships are ones in which emotions are experienced and shared. So whether it's a Taylor Swift concert, tickets to see a beloved hockey team, or rock climbing lessons, it's that evocative, intense emotion that doing the activity allows that's socially connecting. For folks stuck on giving an item that can be unwrapped and held in their hands, Cindy says consider material items that are more experiential in nature, a board game perhaps, or a commemorative vinyl of their favorite band. Importantly, her research says you, the gift giver, don't even need to be there for the experience to strengthen the relationship. So go ahead and skip the hockey game if you don't enjoy sports and don't feel you have to risk your knees for that rock climbing class. The effect is still the same. This surprised us a little bit. We thought that it had to be that if you share an experience with a recipient, that will be better than if you don't. And we found this to not be a robust finding. That actually, if you give a recipient experience that you don't consume with them, that you don't share with them, that those gifts were still socially connecting. That being said, Cindy's recent research has focused on how the type of activity you do with another person can help improve a relationship. While not specifically tied to gift giving, it's worth keeping in mind in that context. Active experiences, think going for a hike or taking a cooking class, tend to be what's called self-expansive and, as a result, can be more socially connecting when shared with another person than a passive one, such as watching a movie together. So in the literature, we have people have looked at types of experiences that expand your sense of self. They change 
your perspective on the world, how you see yourself as a person. You may feel you've grown as a person after an experience or that you've learned something new. These experiences, when shared with another person, tend to make you feel closer. This person has been part of the self-growth experience, and as a result, you've sort of integrate that person more into your sense of self. It's important to remember the feasibility that Cindy talked about earlier. Perhaps skip that whitewater rafting adventure for your sister who just gave birth, or the weekend getaway for a friend caring for an ailing parent. And consider the age of the recipient as well. People who are younger tend to be more future-oriented, and as a result, they tend to define happiness in more in terms of excitement. So if you're thinking about giving a gift to someone who's younger and you want them to experience happiness when consuming your gift, then think about a gift that elicits excitement. In comparison, for older individuals, happiness is in the here and now, so it tends to be built more around the idea of calm. Perhaps consider a spa day or a foray onto a golf course. That's not to say a new purse or weed trimmer isn't a good idea, especially if it's something the recipient explicitly asked for. But ultimately, think about what you hope to achieve with the present. It may depend then on what your, I'm going to say, outcome of interest is. Are you prioritizing giving them a gift that will be well-liked? Or are you prioritizing giving a gift that you think will build your relationship? If you're looking to foster a relationship with someone, give an experience rather than a material thing. Give an experience that is emotionally evocative uh, to consume. And if you can share that experience with someone, give them something that's active to share so that you can grow together um, and as a result, grow closer together. This has been Rotman Executive Summary, a podcast bringing you the latest insights and innovative thinking from Canada's leading business school. Special thanks to Assistant Professor Cindy Chan. We'll be back in a few weeks with Assistant Professor Shreya Sekar to talk about the very real risk of fake reviews. This episode was written and produced by Megan Haynes. It was recorded by Dan Mazzotta and edited by Avery Moore-Kloss. For more innovative thinking, head over to the Rotman Insights Hub and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.